Hello and welcome to Zack Attack. We're never going to be better than this. Today's movie is Parkland from 2013. I'm Joey Lewandowski. I'm Joe too. And our guest today, our first guest on Zack Attack, is the Cage Club co-founder, the Cage Club co-host, and the Keanu Club co-host, Mike Manzi. I've never introduced you before. This is a brand new experience, (laughs) so welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I've I've never been introduced quite like that. (laughs) <laughs> You're going to have a bunch of 14-year-old girl fans now. It's awesome. <laughs> I'm ready to talk Efron. <laughs> I think you might be our only guest that we're going to have for a Zack Attack movie, at least for a while. You're going to be on two more that are coming up. One of them I've heard of, I'm familiar one with. Was it? This one, that me and Orson Welles, I know yeah. about. That and this one I really wanted to see regardless, and it just needed excuses to get me to see them. What's the third one? Like, The Bicycle? The Paperboy? The Paperboy, yeah. So, they get this movie and that movie, I don't think I've ever heard of before. So, mm-hmm. what what about this movie? I mean, it's it's kind of a cool idea, Like, but what about this movie made you want to watch it and talk about it? I think, for the most part, it was the cast and, the, like, the story. This is about the day JFK is assassinated, and, you know, that's something you kind of grow up with, and I knew, I thought I knew a whole lot about, and I always knew a lot of, like, the Lee Harvey Oswald side, and, you know, the Oliver Stone movie, JFK, so I was really interested to see, you know, what this movie was about in regards to the JFK story, and what it was going to add to what happened that day. Couldn't have added much to any of that. Well, it's told from an interesting perspective. It's not really about the assassination as much as, like, what came after it. The major problem I have with the movie, and we'll talk about this, I think, probably throughout the entire episode, is that they spend so much time focusing on so many different things and treating each with, like, equal importance that it sort of winds up like nothing's important. Mm -hmm. Like, if everything's important and if they're willing to spend as much time talking about, you know, Zac Efron as a doctor, which we're going to get all sorts of into Zac Efron as a doctor, Lee Harvey Oswald's brother, and then Lee Harvey, spoiler alert, Lee Harvey Oswald's assassination, you know, if, if everything is emphasized equally, the main event the assassination is sort of swept aside. And I understand that that's kind of the point of this, but it just yeah. sort of seems like everything is sort of of equal importance, which is why nothing kind of stands yeah. out. I think that, like, the whole thing with them naming it Parkland like the hospital, they should have focused on the hospital. Yeah. yeah. I was wondering that, like, you know, because the first sort of 20 or 30 minutes of the movie, a lot of it, or at least half of it, is in the hospital. Yeah. And Parkland is the hospital where they bring JFK. And then I'm like, cool. okay, so they call this is it a really Parkland. Cool, this is a really cool premise. I thought that this was going to work out really well. Like, if they stay in the hospital, that's a perspective that we've never seen before. But, like, they don't really... I mean, they come back there a couple times to show, like, aftermath and them cleaning up and them sort of shut, like, you know, shell-shocked by what happened. And at the very end, that's where Oswald goes when he's been shot. I don't know. It's just <laughs> sort of... It would be like calling, you know, Wild at Heart. Like, it'd be like calling that, like, New Orleans or something. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, there's definitely an imbalance going on here. I hear just saying, because almost any of these mini micro stories that are going on could be a full film. Like, I'd really just like to see the Zapruder film movie, you know, about... Yeah, yeah like, exactly. You know, like, there's aspects of the movie and story threads that I really did enjoy, which is why I kind of give this movie a win overall for myself. Just, I did enjoy it, just because of all the aspects. But you're right, it's overbearing, and it's overflowing, and it's chaotic. And, I, you know, I get, I get that that day was very chaotic, but yeah. you're totally right. They call it Parkland. There's plenty, more than enough, to make a full 90 minutes about these people at this hospital alone, you know? Especially, like, I didn't realize Oswald was sent to the same hospital with the same doctors that operated Is that true, on. though? I wonder if that's true. I was well, thinking about is. that when I was like watching the movie, because like I definitely don't think it was the same doctor, 
because I was reading <laughs> the like interrogation of the doctor and they don't mention him dealing with Oswald at all. And I don't know if that's just like yeah. not from that piece that I was reading or what. I think that, that was a little bit of poetic license. Yeah, whether it be or not, I think it still makes for an entertaining story. You know, yeah. I think it, it, it would have been strong just to stick with the doctors because it's, it's not just Zach Efron. You got Colin Hanks, too. You know, I think the two yeah. of them, I would have really liked to see some chemistry, follow them home the night that Kennedy mm-hmm. was assassinated. They come back the next day and they have to deal with Oswald. Yeah, that would have been the stronger film. Agreed. Well, what's, what's sort of frustrating about it is that we have, like you mentioned, that it's Zac Efron and Colin Hanks at the hospital. We have Paul Giamatti as, and, and also Marsha Gay Harden at the hospital. Yeah, dude, this is a fucking Giam- lineup, like, from heaven, you know? Like, I mean, the, everybody in this cast was supposedly supposed to be great, and I don't know what the fuck happened. You have Paul Giamatti as a pruder. You have Superman... Uh, Tom Tom Welling, <laughs> and you also have you like Tom Welling. You have Mark Duplass. You have like all these guys as yeah, Secret Service agents. When yeah. Mark Duplass came out, I was just like, "Oh shit!" And then I like Dude. went back to figure out when the league started, and I was like, "He was like <laughs> deep in the league at this point, and just like tried to sneak into this serious film, and it was really really weird for me to see." And like, what's weird about it is like all these different like I think Mike said like you know all these different areas or all these different circumstances or however you want to say it like I'm okay spending ninety minutes in the hospital or I'm okay spending ninety minutes with Zapruder yes. or I'm okay spending ninety minutes like with the Secret Service agents. Mm-hmm. There's not enough or may- maybe not ninety minutes, but no, but oh no, also maybe ninety minutes with the Oswald family about you know mm-hmm. the the guy at work and then hearing that his brother killed and going yeah, home to his mom and trying to. Then trying to pick up the pieces or whatever, and then hearing that he got shot, like all these things, like it's it's crazy. And I think the reason why I'm not thrilled with this as a film is because it's adapted from a book. And Mike, I think we've mm. talked about like a yeah. lot on Cage Club and Keanu Club. Like you know, this is a 93 minute movie, and without the credits and without like the closing sort of cards of like what happened to these guys, it's probably like. 76 minutes yeah like there's no <laughs> reason for this movie to be this short for some reason it is like there's so much that like they could do with it and they sort of touch on stuff but never really go deep yeah agreed i don't know if they just like gave up or something while they were shooting it but it, it definitely felt really really short yeah i haven't read the book but it kind of get it feels like one of those situations you run into very often where then maybe they just wanted to include everything or give everything in the book it's do or at least it's say like just give it a nod and when you try and do that when you know we've talked about adaptation a lot on cage club and keanu club and you know you just you have to do it for it's just a book and a movie are just two different mediums you know and just things just don't work the same way as they do from one to the other and you just have to pick and choose your battles and you could have still called it parkland and trimmed it down and not included everything and collaborated taken more poetic license and crafted something just a little better what's sort of frustrating is that the opening like 15 or 20 minutes of the movie maybe not that long the, from the time the movie begins until the time no it's past that i was gonna say, I, I i'm contradicting myself but like it's longer than i think i'm giving it credit for but the opening of this movie there is like this real sense of everything feels sort of business as usual going into the movie because everybody's sort of like prepping for the president to come into town to sort of leave town you know, Zapruder's getting on his little pedestal to film the thing. The uh-huh. Secret Service agents are making sure that they're doing their stuff. And the way that it's edited and the way that the music is, like, this is sort of, like, it, it's kind of beautiful filmmaking. Mm-hmm. And it reminds me, not while watching it, but 
thinking now about you know adapting books and turning into a, like a movie or sort of creating the best movie version of the book. Like, but thinking about a movie like Cloud Atlas, where you're really weaving six stories back and forth over like on top of one another. And if they had done this, like it's I don't think they could have kept up this pace. But like if they kept up this kind of you know editing and storytelling the whole time, like it would it would be. Like, one of the most, like, breathtaking, like, you just can't, can't catch your breath the entire time. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? But then the president is shot, and they go to the hospital, and, like, sort of once he dies, the movie, in a sense, kind of dies. Because now they're just bouncing back and forth, and there's not, like, a sense of urgency anymore, really. Yeah, maybe this would have worked better as, like, one of those, like, how the OJ story went, where it would have been, like, ten episodes, and they would have, like, pieced it together. I think they could have really dragged this out and made it nice if they would have given it more time. Yeah, it could have. I could definitely see this as a mini series event, you know, where every storyline gets its own episode or at mm-hmm. least we have the weeks to you know, at least play everything out to a greater extent. But yeah, I'd just like to say uh, about the opening of this, like Joey was saying, yeah I really enjoyed the style of filmmaking that they were going for, especially in the opening because they were integrating archival footage and Agreed. everything. That was my favorite part. Yeah, and all that stuff was matching really well, and it really set the era and the tone very well for me. And it, everything about, like, the technology of the era and stuff like that as well kind of clicked in my head. You know, he's Zapruder's got his film camera, and, you know, no one else has a camera. But nowadays, everyone would like, kind of have their iPhones out and stuff like that doing this. So there were some really interesting things set up with just, like, the filmmaking that I like. But you're right, I don't think they were able to keep up the pace with all of that creatively you know they never really push into new territory beyond what they set up you know they don't do any kind of elaborate trippy dream-esque sequences or anything like that that maybe they could have tried but they never really go that far it's interesting what they choose to focus on and i actually had the same thought while watching it that you know if this if this happened today how many people would have caught it on their iphone and you know just even Tons. If, like, the Secret Service agents everywhere. were, like, <laughs> were just, like, wearing body cams or something. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's all stuff that's sort of, like, it would have been captured. But here, just the one guy. But, like, what's cool about the movie and sort of the whole perspective that they take or the angle that they take to tell this story is that they're not focusing on the things that everything's been focused on. So instead of yeah. showing JFK gets shot, you sort of see it through, like, you see Giamatti, like, filming yes. it. And then when you rewatch that footage, you're sort of seeing it like literally through their eyes, like reflecting off Giamatti's glasses, or you're watching Billy Bob Thornton, who's another guy in this movie, mm-hmm. just for like three minutes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, you see him reacting to it. And so it's cool that they don't show it because it's like, that's, I mean, that's sort of what it's about, but that's not like how we're telling the story. So I really like that. It's just. But they should have went balls deep with that, man. They, they should have fucking did it. Like, if they were, don't half ass it, like, they should have just kept that feel, ignore what's going on, and like, they could have really did a nice thing if they would have, like, ignored the whole surroundings in the same sense like don't focus on that stuff and let it play out from the complete like third party around about way of telling the story yeah and i think if maybe we just focused on the doctors at parkland for the entire movie you it would work get, yeah you would get more of that isolation from the media right like you know and it's kind of cool how they're the ones watching tv between shifts all day and stuff so that would be a really nice way to deliver exposition like oh the president's been shot and then he's he arrives at the hospital and then you know later when jack ruby shoots oswald they could see that on well they do see that on tv but i'm just saying it's a nice screenwriting convention for them to have that tv in the hospital 
you know, like that. And I think they really could have utilized that really well had we just stuck with them the whole time. It's almost like the only thing that I can think, sort of equate it to is like if you told like a 9-11 movie, but not about like the first responders, just something <laughs> like, I don't know, I don't know what it would be, but like, you know, someone like someone who like helps out, but then also is like keeping up with something, learning through the TV. Like, has anybody ever done that? No, like, they could have done the same thing. They could have done like a hospital version of 9-11, you know, like you're just like in the ER and you're seeing people come in watching the TV. Maybe we should make that movie. What I was saying earlier about like this movie showed me things about that day that I never sort of understood or, or knew happened is that because most most about like JFK films that I've seen and most of the stuff that you get out there is mostly about the whole conspiracy right and uh, conspiracy theorists and that really kind of dominated a lot of the information about what really happened so the one reason I guess I kind of keep sort of saying I like this movie is because it dives into the other aspects that don't normally get talked about you know like right yeah like the Oswald brother the doctors you know yeah, his mom. Yeah, his mom. That's crazy. The crazy mom. Mm-hmm. I want to know. My biggest question about this movie is why Zac Efron's character, who's Doctor Charles Carrico, his nickname is Jim. Like, where, where did <laughs> that name, come oh, from? His name is Charles James Carrico. So he was just it's, dumb it's, by his middle name. I don't know. That's it's, a common it's, thing. It's still, <laughs> I guess it's, but still, like, I mean, that's just like the first title card oh, yeah, of the they show. Like, it's just show like, it very prominently. Char- yeah, yeah, I agree. And, I mean, he's not in it that much. He's sort of the junior doctor in this hospital, it seems. Like, he's kind yeah, of the guy who's just young. like... He was super young when this happened. I was, like, looking it up. He had to be, like, 22 or 22. Like twenty three max or something. I don't know. I know he was really, really young because he was like just starting fellowship. That's why he like calls for the attending in the like that first scene. He's like, "Who's attend? Like, who's the attending?" All those doctors were just like dicking around upstairs, like not doing anything, which is completely false. Like they were all like in the room. Because <laughs> based on the title card or the closing credit card or whatever, the guy that Zac Efron was playing was about. 27 or so yeah, that makes when sense. JFK came in. So, I mean, Zac Efron's probably playing a little bit older than normal but, or nor- older than he is, but he's still, I mean, since we're going back in time, this is the youngest that we've seen him in a movie. Yeah. And it's also, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't remember if I said this before, but like in five movies, we've now seen him as a doctor and a lawyer, and he's sort of <laughs> he's sort of like a more convincing doctor kind of yeah, than he is as a lawyer. Right. I, th- I think that he was, besides the doofy-ass faces he was making in the emergency room, he made, like, if we could get some like freeze frame of those dumbass faces he was making those would be awesome otherwise he was pretty convincing they just gave him like what like four lines he maybe said like 20 words the whole movie he's just sort of like the wrong guy in the wrong place at the wrong time or whatever because he's just in there when everybody's upstairs but what i do like about it is that he's still kind of this like in all of his movies he's to some extent obsessed with sex and we see him on the way very on the way to the operating room he like sort of hits on that nurse that he passes in the hallway i'm like yeah "Yeah, get it same that's and he was dude and he was looking (laughs) dapper as fuck by the way I don't know if you noticed that or not, but like the the white shirt, black tie thing was working, man. He was looking good. Yeah, I almost wondered at some point if because I was like, how did I mean? You know, no offense to Zac Efron, yeah, because I'm just discovering his career and stuff. But I his was greatness, sort of like, his greatness, yeah, his greatness. You know, <laughs> and I'm just sort of like, how did he land this role with all these, you know, kind of heavy hitters? And even the young kids in this movie are the young actors are pretty heavy hitters too. For yeah, the, for, you know, and I'm like, how did he get this role? I was like, was maybe you know the young doctor was like this. Thario, and they needed a really good-looking actor <laughs> who could, like, hold his way. But then they show the doctor at the end, and, you know, he's not especially, like, Well, he was, like, 70 when you see the picture of him at the end. Well, that's the other problem, too, is, like, they kind of morph him into the real guy, and it's, like, a much older yeah. photograph of the guy. But, but <laughs> <laughs> I will have to say, like, he looks 
good when he's doing like the physical stuff, you know, like when he's calling for utensils and he's saying, "Give me this, give me that." Yeah, like, he was convincing. Sort of get, yeah, because I was sort of getting like Clooney ER vibes from him a little Ooh, bit, where you're yeah, like, oh, "You're yeah, just yeah. too handsome to be a doctor." You know, <laughs> it's like the Meg Ryan effect in City of Angels, where I, you know, yeah. stupidly was like, "She's too pretty to be a doctor," but it's like, no, you know, once they sort of get in there and get involved, and you see the physicality, I, I really do buy it from him. Plus, he's covered in gore, you know, most of the movie too. Yeah, wow. Well, like, how the fuck was this movie so gory for like I mean like I get that it was probably really bloody but they like accentuate the gore in this movie with like the handprint on the door and shit I was like come on guys did we really and need that? it's only PG-13 so I wonder if they gave this sort of a benefit of the doubt like if they were on the edge between because there is a lot of blood yeah and I know that they're sort of different like you like you can't really see a guy bleeding or getting like you know because mm-hmm. the whole thing is that like on for instance like on Agents of Shield because I think that's like a big thing like you can see people get shot you can't see them get shot and bleed oh so yeah. I wonder if here you know like in a PG thirteen movie if you can see a guy bloody but you can't see him bleed I, I don't know or I wonder if they gave it the benefit of the doubt because it's like this historical, sort of historical yeah. document yeah I think so yeah. I definitely think that's that's what happened I do want to mention that Zac Efron sort of fellow cohort in a couple movies that we've seen are going to see uh, Dave Franco his older brother James Franco is in that Hulu miniseries 112263 which is sort of a sci-fi take kind of on the JFK assassination Ooh. so it's cool that these Zach Efron LinkedIn. the Franco family yeah all these like sort of the Efron Franco brotherhood or whatever are all involved in like there's really no connection between well actually no because Zach Efron's going to be in the masterpiece yeah which I think is directed by James yeah, Franco, he's a producer or, he's or something. It. Yeah, yeah, he's, yeah, it's weird. So it's all connected, but they all love JFK apparently. Uh, yeah, maybe they're just like really into it, like conspiracy theories. I bet they get stoned and just talk about the conspiracy theories all the time. <laughs> Dude, the video, the video of Zeph, like just a tiny sidebar. The video of Zeph being stoned with Jamie Foxx last week was fucking hilarious. He was so, oh, was so high. Good. Mike, you saw that, right? Did you see that? No, I have to watch it immediately. Oh, uh, so was it E3? At, yeah, and he was yeah. just like ripped out of his mind with Jamie Foxx. He was so high, he saluted the guy. Like, <laughs> which I did not realize. <laughs> Joe had to explain to me that like saluting is like the number one tip-off that like you're just gone. <laughs> <laughs> For me, I, like uh, the only time I've ever thought it was a good idea to salute someone, it was when I was stoned. You're like, I'm going to be really inconspicuous about this. Just salute him. He'll never know. <laughs> like, <laughs> Yeah, so Zach Efron and Jamie Foxx were there as like the celebrity team captains to test out the new Battlefield game. I think they, they must have either not known or just, you know, been so high that they didn't realize, but they got called <laughs> on, like, sort of, like, this backstage thing, like, interview, like, as part of the EA press conference, <laughs> and, like, it, it basically seems like they let out the smoke as they were walking onto <laughs> the set, because, like, the guy even makes a comment, he's just like, oh, pretty smoky in here, or whatever, and, like, they, they sort of, like, they're still coughing, like, it's, yeah, crazy. it's that bad. They're basically, they're basically smoking, like, just off camera and like there is like Zephyr just standing there awkwardly like i don't know you know i don't Black, i don't know the eye. he's like staring at the ceiling like fog i'm so high he has a look on his face like i'm so high right now and i have to do something but i can't do it uh meanwhile jamie fox is like just be a pro man come on you could do it yeah that's exactly what he's doing he's like kind of coaching him through it like and like he's like giving him like alley-oops like really easy ones that zach efron keeps missing it was good <laughs> What I did like about Zeph, because Zeph's not really in the movie a lot. Which I wish he was in it more. I really did. Like, they should have given him... Because, one, fuck, the trailer has him, like, prominent. You know what I mean? Like, it's called... (laughs) Zeph is Parkland. (laughs) Yeah. 
No, I don't watch the trailer, but the still frame in the trailer, like when you just like search the trailer on YouTube, it's Zac Efron. Yeah. So like they're obviously appealing to a certain type of demographic. The other what thing the is that what demographic are they appealing to? Because it's like this could have been like a Zac Efron kind of heartthrobby movie if they would just played it out as like the doctor situation. But yeah, like, you're right. what is it? It's like, but instead, all you get is that this is like a movie for old women that have already seen this story 50,000 times, and it just falls flat. I wish they would have, like, played this out. They should have made a teen girl movie based around JFK, with Zack starring. As JFK? No. I mean, well, they could have done that, too. Maybe he could have been JFK and the Doctor. Oh. He just double-rolled it. I don't know who JFK is, because you don't really ever see his face. I think that's probably because it's rated PG-13, and I want to show, like, a skull that's, like, falling apart. Yeah, yeah. But they show, I mean, the, the, the girl who plays Jackie Kennedy does a really good job. Yeah, she was pretty huge. I mean, th- I think she did it pretty well. I thought that was pretty interesting how they photographed her, too. They tried to kind of hide her face as much as possible just to keep her in that iconic sort of presence, right? Like, she's just, yeah. she's Jackie O in, the, in, the, uh, in that famous dress that she wore. Um, yeah. Th- another thing about this Efron and sort of his like stature in this film, I don't know, but he's billed first on the DVD cover. It's like Zac Efron, Marsha Gay Harding, Billy Bob Thornton. Really? And you, yeah, and yeah. I was and also expecting it to be like very Zef centric, but no. He's he's second billed on IMDb. I think only behind Marsha Gay Harding. I wonder why. I wonder if they did film. You know, like we're talking about, maybe they filmed so much, and they're like, originally it was going to focus more on the doctors, but then they're like, well, we got all this other stuff, and it all came out so great. And I want the deleted it. scenes version. Pure, yeah, that's just pure speculation, but you know. Well, because, I mean, there has to be, because the, the movie's called Parkland. It had to be more, yeah. it, I don't know what the fuck's going on. Like, we, maybe we need to read the book. <laughs> like, there's something wrong yeah. that, like, we're not catching here, because, like, it had to be, like, way more doctor-focused in the book or something, and they built it, and they were like, maybe Zeph was, like, fucking up or like you know missing some lines or something they're like you know what just don't let them talk and just like keep going with the movie well because like what's also kind of weird i mean i guess it was maybe before he was like he super broke out because it was before fargo but like you also have colin hanks in the hospital like we mentioned like he's given nothing to do so like there has to be more for him like you have mark duplass in that room with nothing to do he's just sort of making faces i mean like you have all these guys like in that room yeah that just don't do anything. By the way, I really think that the Secret Service agent should have been the same one from House of Cards. What's his name? <laughs> Meacham? Meacham. Meacham should have been in that room, and it should have been Meacham there. That would have made the whole thing just come full circle for me. That would have been awesome. <laughs> I want Meacham to be in the room just like, I got you. Got you, Mr. President. I'm not leaving. And then we flash back to him and JFK and Jackie Kennedy having a three-way. <laughs> yeah, having a three-way. It's a little bit of House of Cards spoilers. Sorry, everybody. <laughs> I actually thought Tom Welling was uh, James Marsden, played Cyclops, right? <laughs> I got those two. I got my superheroes confused in the Secret <laughs> Service. I, I was looking on IMDb while I was watching the movie, and I saw that Tom Welling. So when I came on screen, like when I wrote down in my notes, I just wrote down, Superman says, and then I wrote down the quote about this is the first time the Secret... Like, I think the only thing he says the entire movie that I remember is, this is the first time the Secret Service has lost a president under its watch. I was just like, okay, so but like he's just Superman. I mean, I don't know him from <laughs> anything else. Just... He's just he's Superman on Smallville. He's totally fine in this. You know, he basically just needs to be an intense, big presence in the room, right? Like he's just a yeah. Secret Service guy. So, and he plays that fine. That's one thing I think the movie did really well. Now that you brought that up, is like this movie did have great intensity. The scenes that were intense were really intense. They kept me intrigued. 
But, like, as soon as they would, like, move away from the intensity, that's when I would get really, really bored. So, like, I definitely remember all the scenes that were, like, super intense, like, where they're, like, fighting over the casket in the hospital. Mm. Like, we're going to move them, we're not going to move them. And it's, like, you know, they're going back and forth, cameras flipping. It was really cool. But, like, the other, some of the other scenes, I'm just like, God, like, what the fuck is this still here for? <laughs> yeah, I think it's because, like, once the president's dead, like, it gets very somber, right? Everyone just has to deal with having lost the president, and that's just a tough part of the movie. There's, like, a good chunk right there where it's just kind of sad. And then you do get these sort of bursts of energy again, a little by little. Like, I, I enjoyed the scene when they were screening the film for Billy Bob Thornton, and the guy next to him basically is like, it's your fault, or something. Like, blame yeah. him. <laughs> Billy Bob's like, stop you, man. Like, you have no idea. You don't know. And, you know <laughs> yeah, that was a good one. That was great, and it just really sort of reflected the times, too, where it's just like, you know, only men in this movie, basically, in any position of power, too, and, and when something like this goes wrong, you just see how they just, like, bicker and argue and really have a hard time figuring out what to do. On that note, it, when I was reading the interview with, like, the actual doctor, they're like, who was in the room? And he, like, lists off, like, all the doctor's names, and they're like, were there any nurses there? He's like, yeah. They were like, who were they? And he just remembers, like, the main chick and, like, doesn't remember anyone else. He's like, I don't remember any of the other nurses. <laughs> like, just totally forgets them. What this movie does, I think, really well is there's a lot of, like, very dramatic lines that I don't remember, like, the context that they're set in, but they're just, like, important men saying important things to other important men. Like, when Zac Efron, like, when they first bring the body in, and somebody's just like, it's just you. It is the president. It's just like, I know who it is. It's yeah, just, yeah. <laughs> like, it works in the movie, but, like, very subtly, like, you could twist it. Just like I think we were talking about recently with that one Keanu episode that we recorded lately, Mike, where it's just like, you know, if there's somebody that's just like, a, like they're just twisting the line a little bit differently, like, it could it could turn out so terribly. Because, like, the movie's <laughs> not really necessarily written very well. Like, I think the pacing is good and, like, you know, the action that they're getting to, but, like, the lines are just, like, I think... Yeah. We've talked about it a couple times, Joe, is that, like, Zeph is sort of selling it a little bit better than the script maybe yes. yeah, gives yeah. him it to feels work like with. He's like, I don't know if they, like, write really shitty lines for him in every movie that he's in, and he's, like, trying to carry it and, like, show that he's a good actor, or, like, if they tone him down because he was, like, overacting, or what's going on here, but, like, he plays a really good... I'm so fucked person. Mm -hmm. Like, I think in every movie we've seen him in so far, there's a moment where Zeph is really fucked. And the scene that you were just talking about, they're like, it's the president, it's just you. He, like, looks so fucked. Like, he just <laughs> <laughs> he just conveys it really, really well. Yeah, I almost thought he was going to get a slap across the face from Marsha J. Harding. <laughs> like, you know, do you need me to do this for you? Like, yeah, you were the up. doctor. I wasn't exactly sure when the movie started, you know, like, who is he, what's his character and stuff, but I got pretty quickly that he's fairly new at this whole like doctoring thing or at least the idea behind the character is you know it's like um all right now you're a doctor and then it's like you're pretty early into your career and then one of the first major things you need to do is you know the president's been shot it's up to you like you say like he really plays that that I'm fucked face situation really well. <laughs> he, he's like put in this impossible position because he does seem sort of like the junior doctor and basically I mean he's still the one at the very end like he's the one not giving up and he's the one still trying to give like the chest compression to CPR like way after like it, it makes any sense to but like it's it sort of seems like as soon as like the real doctors like the, like the big boy doctors come into the room he sort of kind of gets brushed aside and then like for the rest of the movie he just looks like utterly defeated like i basically couldn't save the president's life and i think that maybe is you know an angle that this movie's taking it's like 
like who really shoulders the blame? But play like, this out. It, I want to see it play out. Like they just have to. Yeah. Is it the doctor's fault for not saving him? Like probably not. Like, is it Ron? We didn't talk about Ron Livingston, aka Peter Gibbons from Office Space. Like, is it his fault for not arresting Lee Harvey Oswald when he like hand delivered a threatening <sighs> yeah. note? That's who is that it, dude was. I totally forgot. I was trying to place him the whole movie, and I was like, "What yeah. is he?" And he's the dude from Office Space. That's what it yeah. is. I knew. Yep. I knew him from Swingers. I was like, oh, Swingers, Swingers, Swingers. <laughs> like, is it Lee Harvey Oswald's mom, who's like this crazy crackpot conspiracy theorist who probably put some weird thoughts in? Like, it seems like it's everybody's fault, but like at the end, like, it's sort of the movie that like posits all these ideas and then never actually lands on it. Yo, but did you ever like read the conspiracy theory shit? It's fun to entertain. Like, some of that shit, they have some points there. I don't know. I, I could I could buy into it. I could be swung either way on this. So, for her to say that, like, I, I don't think that maybe it was Lee Harvey Oswald being a member, like, what, a Secret Service agent that was, like, you know, a spy that was hired to shoot him. But at the same time, there was some shit going on. Like, they're definitely trying to cover some shit up, so I want to know what the fuck happened. Yeah, if you're really down for the conspiracy stuff, I would suggest checking out JFK by Oliver Stone. Like, I, I actually haven't been able to get all the way through it. It's kind of, not overbearing, but it's very, it stays on subject, and it's all about the conspiracy, basically. Oh, cool. And, and isn't it, like, three and a half hours long? It's very long, yeah. It's long, and, you know, maybe that's another thing for this. Like, this just takes place of the day and then, like, the morning after Kennedy shot, so there's not really time to form conspiracy theories yet, I would think. I don't know, but regardless Regardless, there's just there's no room left in this movie for, for to talk about anything else. You know, it's already yeah. too much kind of going on. What's kind of interesting, like, I, I would sort of, I would, I would, I think I want to read the book. The guy that wrote the book also wrote Helter Skelter about the Manson murders. Oh, oh okay. really? I didn't know that. No. That's yeah, a, I and, like that movie. And the guy, well, there's there's two apparently. Like they adapted it in like '76, and I think like the early 2000s or something like that. And then the guy who wrote the screenplay and also directed it also did a couple other movies. Yeah, he did Concussion, in a similar, right? Yeah, he did Concussion. He did one other one that I'm trying to remember. He did... It's, it's all sort of like these movies like that girls, are like... Old Next Door or something? It was something about Girls Next Door. Oh, Kill the Messenger he did. That movie that's basically Argo, but with Jeremy Renner, kind of, in a sense. <laughs> it's like fictionalized versions of like these real stories. Yeah. And so that's sort of like what this guy is, like the types of movies that he wants to make. That's cool, though. I mean, find your niche, man. Yeah, and oh, and then he also wrote and directed the movie Felt, which is coming out next year, which is about Deep Throat and about Watergate. Oh, so, cool. I mean, it's okay. all these, like, you know, historical tales, like, told in a fictional movie. Yeah, that's cool. I wonder if, I was wondering if he was, like, trying to make this movie to be, like, Oscar bait. You know what I mean? Like, he was trying to have this one be, like, the historical piece that sneaks in, and it just didn't work. And Tom Hanks was, like, one of the producers of this by the way. Right, yeah, his his studio produced it, and I think maybe that's how they got Colin Hanks. Like, Mike, you might know this better than I did. When did Colin Hanks, like, really become... Mm. Like, I mean, it's, it was always sort of like, if he wants to be an actor, he'll be an actor, because his dad is Tom <laughs> Hanks. Kinda. Who is Colin uh, Hanks? Colin Hanks is the older doctor. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, um, the kid that I recognized, but I didn't know who he was. Okay. Yeah, I mean, he was in season one of Fargo. Oh, I guess he was in... So, oh, he was in That Thing You Do as male page when he was 19. That was his first role. He was in a bunch of episodes of Roswell. I mean, I guess he's sort of been, like, an actor for a while at this point. Yeah, I never really kind of noticed Colin Hanks until Fargo, really. I always knew he was out there trying to be an actor, but uh, I always kind of admired the fact that he worked his way up, too, and that he just didn't do it relying on his father's name, in a way. You know, like, I don't know. It just really seems like he earned his place in a lot of ways. But I would definitely have liked to have seen more of him in this movie, too. And like I said, him and Efron. I don't know, there's just something about their dynamic just based 
purely based like on their looks, you know, that I think would give <laughs> like kind of good confidence. Just because like Efron he's never gonna is, bump out. Colin Hanks isn't like ugly or anything like that, but like Zac Efron is like unnaturally handsome and stuff. So like right. just just be you know an extra dimension to their relationship that could even remain unspoken or something. But it's just you know even now I'm just thinking of the things I'd have liked to have seen more. Well, yeah, because like if you if you tell this movie about the hospital, like if you name it Parkland and it's about the hospital and you sort of ignore everything else or save it for a different movie or whatever, like you could start like you could set this movie like a week or two before Four, the assassination. Exactly, and set up the characters. Mm-hmm. This would have been a and, great play. Yeah, and do everything, Mike, that you're saying, and, you know, have their dynamic, and have this, like, you know, he's resentful of this younger, handsome doctor who maybe, in a cliche way, because I'm just coming off the top of my head, like, it maybe is, like, dating or, like, taking the, the nurse that he likes out for, like, malt beverages. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> you, you could have all these kind of, like, you know, these, like, 60s stories that you tell, right, about this guy who, like, is probably a very good doctor because it's like a major hospital and he's like the senior surgeon no, or he whatever have to be a great doctor like this kid has like a like a list of accomplishments he was like in the surgery club whatever like the american surgeons associate he was like president of that or something yeah like he did really good after this so yeah it, it just seems like there could have been some really good conflict there and then you know you go through a traumatic experience together with like your semi-rival and it's like the, you know we we have we've gone through this we can bond over this and then in the end of the movie when they get lee harvey oswald in there i, I actually kind of love the dynamic of the scene operating on the president and then the scene operating on oswald there's even a moment where someone leans over and is like should we even like try and save this guy and, yeah. and it's just so clinical and by the book and everyone's perfectly calm and doing their thing and it's just business as usual for him i i just i like that too that was pretty interesting like, it just seemed like uh hanks and zach everon were like more of a unit than two like even without seeing them deal with having to see the president lying there dead and stuff you still get a little bit of like okay this affected them both in the same way and now they're sort of working together better what i like about that surgery at the end is like the only reason they really want to save him or at least try to save him is because they need a confession like Mm -hmm. they basically need they need to close the book on this guy and they don't they don't get it like he dies before he actually confesses i was reading up about jack ruby not that this is shown in the movie but like jack ruby was arrested for shooting and you know he was charged with murder for killing lee harvey oswald and he was convicted of murder and then he appealed it and then i think the appeal was like the the second judge like overturned the ruling but then like while he was in hospital he died basically of a complication from lung cancer so this guy Hmm. just like a real sort of interesting weird story yeah this is all really bizarre see told you conspiracy theory it's not too hard to believe (laughs) they actually snuck in the one moment um fbi or secret service where ron livingston was ordered to burn the file so (laughs) we got a little something yeah yeah that's what i mean they were playing with it yeah i'm not sure if that's really as much a conspiracy theory as a let's just cover our asses because we (laughs) had the guy killed the president in this building you know, less than two weeks ago. Bitching like about week murdering ago. people. <laughs> He's talking about blowing up this office, and, like, we didn't do anything about it. Like, he handed you the letter. Not only that, not only had he handed you the letter, but, like, he bailed you, like, lot, like several letters before, like... Well, yeah. I almost felt bad for Ron Livingston's character because he's the only guy who even considered uh, Lee Harvey Oswald a threat. And the guy's like, why are you even following him? And he's like, I don't know. It's just, like, a, something about him. He creeps me out, or he's a weirdo, you know? You really get the sense of how hard they're trying to cover their ass when they're like, I can't believe how hard you screwed up. And I'm sitting there going like, no, he's like kind of the only one who didn't screw up this whole yeah. time. He actually had his ears and eyes open, but you guys need to cover your ass. So the guy, who, the one guy who did his job is the one guy who like, <laughs> gets shit. 
right for it. <laughs> I also feel like that was sort of like a movie convention. Like I don't, I don't know what it is, but there's just something about him. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. Like I don't really have evidence or proof about why I'm curious about this guy, but like I know that like he's about to kill the president in about ten minutes in the movie. <laughs> and it made me feel shady about you know the Secret Service if they're just like I'm just investigating that guy because he looks weird. <laughs> That's how it works, man. <laughs> See, conspiracy theories, not too hard to believe. And they're emerging as we go along. But I think the, the long and the short of it, or whatever that phrase is, is that there's real missed opportunities here on all fronts, but the one that we're most concerned about... Like, I don't think... Like, the movie's not bad, and I think there are scenes that really work really well, but it just feels like there's a missed opportunity. And the biggest missed opportunity, at least as far as this podcast is concerned, is not giving us more Zach Efron screen time. Sure, and, and we didn't even get a shirtless Zeph in this one. <laughs> like, he could have easily been shirtless when he woke up. Like, we could have got that, like, five seconds of it. No, they failed like, there. Or like, we, we need to stop the bleeding. We don't have any more gauze. He's like, oh, I God, got a shirt. shirt. Like, yeah, just, just rips, rips off it off. That would have been awesome. Or just changing his bloody shirt at some point throughout the movie, you know? He's like, everyone could goes home. They could have a nice shower scene. They could have a nice shower scene with him washing off the blood. Like, just steamed and, like, looking disappointed but shirtless. It would have been awesome. There's no reason that he's cast in this movie, really. No, it could have been anyone. They could have replaced it. Miles Teller could have been the, the fucking doctor. It could have been any. No, Miles Teller could not have been the doctor. <laughs> yeah, he could have. He's kind of doofy. I guess so. He's kind of doofy and doesn't seem. Looks like he gets really depressed all the time. Yeah, he could have been the doctor. Michael B. Jordan could have been the doctor, but we're in Texas. But um, <laughs> I mean, still, still Texas in 2016. Not a great place for some people. Mike, is there anything else in your notes that you wanted to cover, either about Zach or Zach's role or the rest of the movie as a whole? I totally agree with you guys. You know, I mean, they should have just changed the title of this, and I wouldn't, maybe now I wouldn't be as, like, angry-ish, or, like, I wouldn't want, you know, if they had just changed the title, I wouldn't be wanting this movie in my head that takes place entirely at the hospital where we're following Zach Efron around, which I True. really would like to see now, you know, and I mm-hmm. want that movie. And I also want the solo Zapruder film, and I want the solo... FBI, Ron Lemonson movie, you know, that's about it. The only other thing I really had about it is um, it, <laughs> I love period pieces, and this isn't that long ago, but you get the doctor smoking in the hospital. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I this, and I just smoking. had to remark about the doctor smoking. Yeah, it's a great point. I love doctor smoking. At this point, I've been, I've been four years since I've had a cigarette, so I looked at that and I was like, oh, man, if they only knew. <laughs> <laughs> what would you say, like, if it's not called Parkland, they, they can even call it something like aftermath you know what i mean like i don't know like i think they probably wanted some kind of noun or some kind Grievance. of grievance i think they put i think they wanted something related to jfk you know what i mean but not yeah. not his name or something because it's not like the, the movie's not about him like he's the inciting incident in the movie but it's not about him we could come up with a better title than parkland definitely give me enough like time what? I said grievance. Something <laughs> you you need a powerful name, one word, maybe two syllables max. You just do Carico. Yeah. Which is just his last name. And then have the movie only be about Zach Efron. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I yeah. don't know. It's tough. You know, you want to maybe just name it after the day, just give it that date. But then again, the the now you. Oh, the date is a good move. Well, the, but the, the date the is the Stephen, series took it right. Yeah, the, the date yeah. is the Stephen King book that okay, became a TV yeah. series. So, so that's yeah. It already the best title is kind of taken for anything. Just not naming it, you know, JFK this, JFK that. It's it's really hard to kind of place what you know what would be a good way to market this. So maybe that's why they did maybe just we go with have... Parkland because everybody must know from that generation that Parkland is the hospital. So it's sort of like something that you can instantly, if you're of the age that this happened or you remember, you're like oh yeah, Parkland, the hospital. So that's your connection. But, but to I mean, us, it's something... like I have no idea. Yeah, you could call something like After Kennedy. No. 
I'm going. I'm going. <laughs> you switch in. You switch in Lee Harvey Oswald with Liam Neeson, and you call it Nolan. <laughs> <laughs> I think that I, I don't know what to say to that. So I think that's a good way to to sort of wrap things up. I have one more uh, thing in my notes that I want to talk about. The scene where they're burying him, the priest is like standing there holding the Bible, and I kept thinking he was taking Instagram shots to prove that it happened, because like the Bible was like the perfect size of an iPhone Plus, and I just like wasn't that paying attention. I just like looked up like, why is he taking booty shots? And then I was like, oh, okay, never mind, it's the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> That's so strange on so many different levels that it's it's the, I think that might be the perfect way to wrap up on <laughs> So, Mike, thank you for joining us. You'll be back in two movies yeah, for thanks, The Paperboy, and then you'll be back in about a year for your other movie. If you like Mike's movie opinions and movie expertise, you can catch us on Keanu Club and Cage Club at cageclub.me. So, Mike, thank you for joining us. Yeah, thanks, bro. Thank you for having me, guys. So, for all things Zack Attack and Cage Club and Keanu Club and all sorts of fun stuff, you can go to cageclub.me or facebook.com slash cageclub, see what we've done, see what we're going to do, keep up with all the hottest news about all of our favorite actors. I'm Joey Lewandowski. I'm Joe, too. And that was Mike Manzi, and we'll see you next time on Zack Attack.